You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Auxiliary Gate Podcast number 82. We hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. And now... We set our sights on December 25th and Christmas Day. But prior to that, we get a, a smorgasbord of new racetracks, such as Turfway Park, Oaklawn, Gulfstream. Uh, we, we're going to be busy the next uh, several months as we wait for uh, spring to return to the bluegrass. And I know uh, my podcast co-host is a big fan of Turfway Park, and he joins us right now. And that's Alan Schneider. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm great. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Churchill. I think I think Churchill's fantastic. I love Keeneland. But I have a soft spot for the uh, the lesser, quote-unquote, lesser tracks in the state of Kentucky. And even though I may be fading Ellis Park away, but I'm a big fan of Turfway. I think I think the racing's great there. I think there's money to be made at Turfway. It happens year in, year out. The, there's a mythology about Turfway that it's impossible. That's wrong. It's, I'm not going to tell you that I win every time. That would be a lie. But there is a mythology that it's, un, that it's unplayable and that's just people just not paying attention. So I will tell you right now that I like Turfway. Uh, play a little bit of Gulfstream in the winter. I'll break, I'll break my mold in a little bit, and I'll go to Gulfstream a little bit in the winter. Uh, but I do like Turfway. I'm, I'm a primarily a Turfway guy. The one thing you're going to have to accept, though, now there will be chaos. But that's the, yes. you know that holds true with every single track. So... You, you, just pick your spots. The, the time will come. And, uh, but, you know, chaos comes when you have larger fields. I mean, you have larger fields, you're, gonna have, you're just going to have more opportunities for chaos, right? It's simple mathematics. Yeah. Uh, I think the one misnomer is, well, I think one uh, thing to keep in mind with Turfway is, and I say this a lot, is to don't hesitate to bet vertically. Uh, despite the big fields, the average field size 10-plus horses, I believe, in, in most races last fall, last winter, uh, I think the favorite still won 38, 39% of the time. That tells you that the winners are logical. The winners are logical. Now, the yeah, chaos yeah. may come in the underneath spots. The chaos is when you have large fields, especially at the level these horses run at, you're gonna have, you're gonna, you can have the chaos in the underneath spot. So if you can sink your teeth into somebody, it's the same thing as betting a, in a horizontal wager as betting a vertical wager. So you can sink your teeth into a winner, a horse that's going to run very well, Sink your teeth in one of those horses and come in underneath, and you can you can have a nice payday, yeah, right? Just, just uh, you know, you, you got to realize these are nickel claimers at times. Not every You're race not gonna, can be a nickel claimer. They're, they're going to have their fair share of nickel claimers, and right. they 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 don't run to form. You just can't give up when when you have one of those nights. It's, I mean, they're that, they're bound to happen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, your opportunity's coming, and you just gotta. You just gotta be ready when it happens. So, as you said, be but, patient, uh, be patient, be, be be patient. But when you when you when it uh, when it's time to pounce, pounce. Right, and you'll you'll along the way you'll see horses for courses, and you know it's it, it'll come to you. You'll you'll notice trainers that do well. You know you, you gotta keep an eye on the Mike Makers and the Jonathan Thomases, uh, the Phil Sims. Just you know. Uh, maybe do a little replay work. Just, just you know, pay attention to the races, and then uh, it'll come to you at some point. It so, will. Uh, let's wrap up Churchill Downs. Uh, big finish to the meet. Of course, uh, the Clark Handicap was on Black Friday, and it was won by Maxfield. One of the things that uh, I dislike about horse racing 
these days is uh, Maxfield, who's at the peak of his game, is going to stud mm-hmm. after uh, you know he's what he finished four for four at Churchill Downs, uh, added another grade one to his resume, but now he's going off to stud. I think that horse has uh, had a lot more victories in his future, but I, I assume nothing else to prove, and they want to start making some babies with him. If by babies you mean money, yes, you're correct. They're going to make a lot of money with the horse. What's the stud fee? Did they talk about the stud fee yet? I think Did it's 40000 40, That seems fair. It's funny you talk about Maxfield as a stud bag because Maxfield looks like a stud on the racetrack, does he not? That he's, horse is – he's imposing. Yeah, uh, he's one up. of the best-looking uh, horses I've ever seen just in person. He's just beautiful. He's a beautiful specimen. It's uh, I, I think I mentioned this online the other day that – when they go to cast and they make another horse racing movie and they have to cast the villain horse, he's he looks that part. He looks that imposing, that intimidating, uh, that that powerful that he could play yeah. the villain horse. If they remake Sea Biscuit another right. time and they need another War Admiral, he could play War and War Admiral the reboot. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, let's go on to some of the other races. Uh, of course, the Fall City was won in blowout fashion by En Boutant for. Our former podcast guest Scott Leeds and Walking Out Thoroughbreds. Yeah, um, you hear me mention this a lot of time too. I'll I will tout my friends' accomplishments. I will tout good people's accomplishments. I don't care. People get sick of hearing. I don't care. I love it when good people do good things. And uh, Scott, we've had Scott on. Scott's a great guy. He does a lot of stuff for the veterans. Uh, it's 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 a pleasure to see his horse on Vuitton just take to the slop like that and finally not chase Latruska and get a chance to do what. What Ambitant wants to do is that get out on the lead and just start to lope and found the good spot of the racetrack uh, and Ambitant aired for the second, second win in a row in the fall city for Ambitant. So congratulations to Walking Hill and Scott Leaf and Brian Hernandez. Uh, I, I was happy the horse won and uh, it, it's good that Latruska was not there once again, that we got to see the real Ambitant. And finally, Smile happy won the Kentucky Jockey Club on Saturday, and he placed himself firmly on the uh, Kentucky Derby Trail. And, uh, yeah, for Kim McPeak, and uh, this is a son of run happy. Uh, does, does Smile Happy fit uh, on the on the trail to the roses? Sure. I mean, uh, I didn't mention this, too, because I was on the way to the game. I made one bet for I left. I, sing- I singled Smile Happy in the pick four, and I had Dream Lift. And I only used two in the last race and didn't use a uh, William Morris horse. <laughs> oh, <laughs> tiny, boy. tiny ticket. It was a real, real, real dumb play on my part. Uh, but I was watching the race from afar at the bar I was at before the Kentucky Louisville game. And I was like, is that smile happy? And it was. And I mean, a banner day for Ken McPeak. Was there four wins the other day? I mean, if you bet Ken McPeak and as much as we talked tout betting Ken McPeak, I think I only bet him one time that day. And, uh, I mean, you could have paid off a house, uh, a boat, and some other things had you just just bet Ken McPeak on Saturday. But to your original question, yeah, Smile Happy is up there with Rattle and Roll. I don't see why those horses can't make noise come next next May. Now, I don't recommend playing the uh, Kentucky Derby future book wager. I think it's, oh, it's, it's not a good bet. But I don't. the mutual field was sent off three to five. Is that, that an a good overlay? Bet? I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I know our friends at Churchill push this bet, and I understand. And people, have, I, I'm completely against the future wager. I don't care for it. 
I don't know why you would bet it uh, unless you just just have that instinct that you want to do it uh, because I mean we're anything can happen. The horses get injured. They don't they don't move. They don't flourish. Other horses are going to come along. I could go on and on about it. But if you do choose to bet it, more power to you. Uh, and again, going back to your original point, three to five on the field actually is probably an overlay, isn't it? I don't know. It would I, be to well, me. I'd bet I'd take three to five on it. The problem is, I, I feel like this is maybe a historically weak two-year-old crop. If that's but, the case, and it's an overlay, right? If that's the case. Yeah, yeah that's, that's. I'm just curious your thoughts on that, but. Uh, uh, when we do our pet peeves, we need to do a pet peeve podcast soon. Oh, God, uh, yeah. One of my yeah. pet peeves for years is the fact that they've been doing this future bet, future bet for, what, 20 years at least, over 20 years. We really? still don't have more than 24 wagering interests. I agree. I agree. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, we've got a private company putting rockets into space, but we can't we can't bet on more than 24 horses in a in a future pool. Uh, there's uh, and, uh, along those lines there'd be a lot of pet peeves and i have pet peeves in a lot of things even though i, I come off kind of nice once in a while i got a lot of pet peeves uh but there's a lot of pet peeves in the mutual aspect of the game that you would come up with that's yeah. that's for darn sure that's one of them yeah we'll cover that here at some point in the future and uh, hopefully mm-hmm. in the near future uh last few things we got to give a uh, congratulations to scott shapiro who just crushed the carry over pick six uh the jackpot pick six on sunday with an excellent 147 dollar ticket scott's been on the show before we've talked to him a lot in person he's a great guy i mean one of the he nicest really guys you'll ever meet and uh yeah we're we're thrilled that he hit that and, and he deserved every penny of it yeah it was a it's a good ticket he put together good scott uh scott one i like what i like about the churchill guys and once again i will champion the people that i like i think do a good job what I like about those guys, they're covering one track, one circuit. They're not going on and on about 15 other circuits. They don't know anything about like some networks do. Giving out pick four and pick five tickets continuously at racetracks that, th- that they don't know anything about. You want to talk about pet peeves, I'll go on and on about that. Do not give out pick four, pick five tickets to your audience if you don't know anything about the circuit. It pisses me off. It is, it's malfeasance in my opinion. If you cover California racing and you're giving out a pick five at Prairie Metals, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm sorry you shouldn't. So that's what I like about the Churchill guys. They play, they give their pick six ticket. They do a few different things, but they're well thought out. They're not predictable tickets. Um, they keep in mind that, you know, the way that 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 single six is laid out, where the majority of the, the majority of it's paid out that day. It's not your traditional jackpot wager, which jackpot wagers are generally garbage. So those guys do a good job with that. Scott, Scott and Joe and, and the other guys there, they give out economic tickets that if they were to hit would pay off quite a bit. They're not worried about if they hit or not. Um, so at the end of the meet, Scott gives out a much larger ticket than he already does, and it was a good ticket. Uh, there was a couple. There was one real obvious horse. He found the other one, which I wasn't able to do. And he put together a $21,000 payoff. So, and if anybody bet along with him, then they hit $21,000 too. So I applaud him for that. And speaking of great people, we got to give a hat tip to Michelle Lovell, our BFF. She had a great week again. Just again. Came, yeah. Came back off an injury to win the Thanksgiving classic in just impressive fashion. Just un- unbelievable. Just, you know, crushed that field wire to wire 
with uh, Just Might. And then, of course, change of control on Sunday, one of the autumn day stakes at Aqueduct with a, uh, a great ride from Colby Hernandez. Both, both those horses looked like winners every step of the way, didn't they? They really did. Uh, just a matter of change of control could get through, and, he, and, and she did. But getting back to Jess Might, they had the, the box populi. What do you call that Breeders' Cup voting thing? Everybody's voting right. in for Pink Lloyd, the Canadian horse. More power to Pink Lloyd. I, I voted. I voted for Jess Might. Horse won six or seven stakes this year, several different tracks. Come back from an injury in the meantime. Runs every couple of weeks and just keeps throwing out 100 percent figs, 99 percent figs. Uh, the one of the most overlooked things about Jess Might is uh, she ran in the Phoenix. He ran the Phoenix. And uh, people have a tendency to forget that the horse, because the horse ain't gonna run last that day. She got injured in the race. He got injured in the race. That horse is making a move after leader special reserve. It might have been. It might have been a hell of a different story had the horse not uh, had a quarter crack down the lane. Uh, that horse might have won the Phoenix. Uh, go back and watch the race. Despite not getting the trip that he wanted, that horse was making a move on special reserve. And uh, Aloha West, who actually went on the Winter Breeders Cup sprint, so that race would have been a lot closer. So it's good to see that the Michelle's horsemanship. He's able to get the horse back, not only hit healthy, but re- ready to run another firecrack, firecracker effort a few weeks later. So hats off once again to Miss Lovell. I think uh, I don't I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think uh, just Mike stacks up with horses like Following Sea and uh, Aloha West. I, 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 to me, there's not much difference between them. So no. I think I think he could hold his own in a race versus those. Uh, what, are, what are we talking Golden Shaheen? Maybe the Golden Shaheen next year. We're gonna try to. Convince her to go to Dubai. Yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna try to talk her into that. I don't know if that's gonna work or not, but uh, yeah, uh, that's a great idea to to vote for the horse in that Vox Populi Award. Uh, yeah, that that was something that uh, Penny Tweedy started, and of course she owned Secretariat. And I was just looking at his po- uh, past performances the other day. That horse lost three times during his three year old season. Lost that's three right. times to and uh, but uh, still he's, he's considered one of the great. Or, well, the, the greatest horse of all time. But although I think Spectacular Bid has something to say about that. But that's beside the point. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get to our guest. Uh, if you listen to our podcast last week, we gave out one sure winner. And that was uh, University of Kentucky over University of Louisville. <laughs> I think we yeah, both the, said that the, the, the spread and we, maybe we should do a separate sports betting podcast because we, we told we told you at home. Yeah, that three points was uh, ridiculous. Uh, Kentucky, I don't even know the terminology. What did they say Kentucky's giving, getting three points. Getting three, giving, getting three. They're getting three points. They they got three points from Lowell, and yeah, we gave that out. So uh, yeah, we may not. I, I will tell you this: we may not know what we're talking about with horse race. We may not get, but well, and I don't bet much football. I, I bet like four or five games in my life. But I'm going to tell you right now. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that agree with this. We were here in, in the state of Kentucky. We were flabbergasted by that point spread. <laughs> and and it, I think it opened at two, Louisville by two, right? And uh, all, we, we drifted all, to three, right? It, it drifted, drifted to three. Yeah. It's like uh, Kentucky is, and, and CC's a Louisville fan, but again, at the same time, he's he's realistic. Kentucky has destroyed them the last two years they've played. It's just a terrible mismatch. Uh, they Louisville small up front and Kentucky is pretty powerful. They're they're not as powerful as Georgia, but they wasn't playing Georgia. 
And uh, so it, it was it was a bit of a mind boggling spread. I, I no. wish horse racing was that easy. Right. Right. Now, I will say this, though. I was flabbergasted at the spread, but I was also pretty flabbergasted at Louisville's effort or yeah. their, their their performance. I thought uh, I was expecting a better game than that. I mean, yeah, I thought they played. Play I thought they played better offensively. I thought they yeah. I definitely thought they played better offensively. Yeah, and I do think at the end they may have quit a little bit, but I, I can understand why. But yeah, because uh, yeah. it was so cold outside. That was that, that I quit for sure. I was there. <laughs> and I quit. So I stayed pretty warm, and I hate the cold weather. But yeah, that was that was a uh, that was fun. That was I had never been to Cardinal Stadium for a football game before. Uh, I usually go down to to Lexington, but that that was a lot of fun. Uh, it, we enjoyed it, and it's a nice day. We, we we like the we like the atmosphere and stuff. I wish I wish it was a more competitive game because for all my Louisville friends and fans, I have a lot of family Louisville uh, fans. But at the end of the day, it was you know it. I won't say I was shocked at the outcome. I might have been a little shocked at the final margin of victory, but say la vie. Enough chatter. Let's get to our guest, and Alan's going to introduce him right now. Yeah, CC, as you and everyone know, uh, Turfway Park opens this week. And being a Kentucky Horse Racing podcast, we wanted to invite on a jockey who has not only thrived there for the last 10, 15, 18 years or so, but is also absolutely killing it in 2021 in the saddle. He won the Belterra Park riding title with an insane 100 wins and followed that up with a big meets at Keeneland and at Churchill Downs. He's sitting on a whopping 2,350 career wins. And tonight, John McKee joins the Auxiliary Gate podcast. John, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. I uh, appreciate you guys having me. Look forward to having a great oh, conversation yeah. with you guys. That's the plan. That's the plan, Wills. Uh, hopefully it's as great as you've been riding, uh, Blake, because you've been riding ex- exceptionally well. Uh, I don't. That does not go unnoticed. We certainly noticed it. And along those lines, I see – that you're getting ready to enter your 20th year as a jockey. And that's amazing to me. As I've mentioned numerous times on this podcast, I'm 51. I've been watching these races right here for a long time. It's amazing to me that you're entering your 20th year, because it seems like only yesterday you were the red hot apprentice on the scene, uh, winning race after race. And now here we are, it's been 20 years. Does it feel like it's been 20 years to you? Well, they always said, find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. And I feel like the last five years have, have been a blessing to me. So I've really, really enjoyed the sport. Uh, well, I, I've never really been that fortunate to find something I love. So when I go to work, it feels like work. So I'm envious of you, John. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it seems to me along those lines that you're riding better than ever. Again, I've been watching this sport for a long time. I've been watching the scene around here for a long time. It does feel like you're riding better than you ever have. Uh, kind of in the zone, as they say. I mentioned the 100 winners at Belterra, uh, but there was also four winners in just 11 mounts at Keeneland. There was another four winners at Churchill Downs in the recently concluded meet. Uh, do you kind of feel like you're in one of those extended grooves at the moment? Because it sure feels that way. I just feel like right now we've been getting a lot of great opportunities. And, you know, over the past, you know, when you start getting into a good rhythm and you start winning races, you know, you just with confidence, I've gotten the opportunity to ride for some great trainers, and they've kind of put me on some some decent horses, and uh, we've just kind of capitalized on the opportunity. Yeah, you certainly have. It's uh, a lot of the, you mentioned the trainers, and one of those trainers that comes to mind right off the top of my head, I'm sure the same thing with CC, is a guy named Norm Cash and his, and his wife Lola. Um, they've kind of burst on the scene of late, and you have kind of arisen as their go-to guy. Uh, that relationship with the caches seems to be uh, successful for you, doesn't it? 
I tell you, they are great people. I, we, we hooked up this summer and we just, uh, we won a bunch of races together and, uh, it just kind of led me to, to Keeneland and Churchill and they've kind of stuck with me and it's really paid off for all of us. So why do you, why do you think you fit so well with those horses? Cause it seems like every time I look up, it's John McKee and the cash is winning again. There's a, what's the symbiosis there, so to speak. Well, I, I, I think Mr. Cash does very well with his horses. He places them right, and uh, I think that's half the battle. And I just try to stay out of their way and give them every opportunity to give them a chance to win. Yeah, well, speaking of the Cashes, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the the quote-unquote big horse, the renowned horse, um, that when someone thinks of Norm Cash and John McKee uh, for the last couple months, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Beverly Park. Uh, Beverly Park is a horse off the top of my head may have been claimed for five or 10,000 a few months ago and boom, you guys got a hold of him and we're off eight straight victories. It was damn near nine, right? Just got caught for nine. Um, all while ascending the ladder into a lucrative allowance company at Churchill Downs. When you first got that win on Beverly Park in a ch- against cheaper stock, let's be honest, it was a cheap race. Did you know at that moment that that horse had the talent to reel off so many wins and become a horse winning in six-figure allowance races at Churchill? Uh, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I, he never even crossed my mind. I, I won I won on him for five, and I think he got claimed for 12-5, but he, he ran, uh, you know, he ran at – he ran a big race, but nothing that really stuck out to me like he was going to go on and, and be the horse that he is today. Yeah, it, uh, it it's one of the most amazing because these eight wins have come in a short period of time. And I believe, was it last week? He just got caught uh, at the wire, and I, I might have been an allowance two exit Churchill, I want to say. But the horse almost made it nine or own. I can't remember the last time a horse ran here won nine races in a row. So uh, you're a big part of that. I'm sure you know that. Yeah, he's uh, he's a nice horse, and he's gotten really good at the moment. And um, they ran this horse in a non-two allowance at Churchill, uh, just just giving him a chance. And um, and like I said, he ran lights out. It was just just uh, disappointed that he he got beat, but he left it out there on the track, and he'll come back in a starter race probably at Turfway, and we'll just kind of regroup. Yeah, that's kind of what I was I was leaning to. It's like because of those the because of the the cheaper pass of the horse, he's eligible for a lot of starter allowance races. There's more wins to come, in other words, with this horse, right? I would yeah, say. Yeah, he's. I think he's starter eligible for the next two years, so we should be able to have fun with him. That should be an ATM right there. That should be that should be paying for a few meals. Um, <laughs> but I tell you what, your combination. When I think of a John McKee, your combination with Mr. And Mrs. Cash isn't the only one that comes to mind. You routinely partner with uh, both Eric Reed. And a guy we truly admire at the podcast. He's been on the show a couple of times. A wonderful guy, Tom Drury, uh, with great success with both those guys. I might add, uh, if you could talk a minute about uh, those two guys and why you seem to click so well with both. Well, first and foremost, Tommy Drury. Um, we actually hooked up probably five years ago. His uh, his son was on an AAU basketball team, and my son was on the same team. So I really never rode for Tommy Drury and, you know, until friendship. And uh, like I said, he just kind of started putting me on some horses. And, man, we've been together for probably five or six years. And he's kind of, you know, he's had my back through thick and thin. And and um, a big part of my success is, it has to do with Tommy Drury. Um, 
Eric Reed, he's, um, he, you know, he, we've done business probably since I've had the bug and, uh, yeah, he's always ridden me. He rides, um, uh, you know, he's good friends with my agent, Jeff Perrin. And, um, that's the reason why that I've had a lot of success with Eric Reed. And you'll forgive me. My wife's phone is ringing folks. If you could just ignore this for a moment. <laughs> so Jeff Perrin is your agent. Uh, it's I, we, we got in touch with each other through Jeff Perrin. Has he been an agent for a long time? Uh, yes. Uh, he's had my book for the last six years. And it's been a pretty good six years, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been great for both of us. All right, before we talk a little bit of Turfway, because, again, uh, that meet opens this week. I'm a big Turfway fan. I know CC is, too. Um, before we get to that, I want to ask you real quick about a horse from yesteryear, a horse I'm sure you're pretty fond of. It kind of launched you in the spotlight about, I guess, I don't know, 15 years ago. Lawyer Ron. Um, Bob Holtis had Lawyer Ron uh, before Lawyer Ron went to – to Todd Pletcher and he won the Whitney, the Woodward with Todd Pletcher. But when he first came out, it was you guys, you and Bob Holtz that had that racehorse and uh, I helped put you uh, on the map a little bit more so than you already were. Uh, what does Laurie Ron mean to you? Now, he means everything to me. He was probably my first, uh, you know, if people ask me who my favorite horse is. He would be first on the list. Uh, he was, he's kind of catapulted me onto the big scene and ran, you know, Ran some big races in uh, the Arkansas Derby, the St. Louis Derby, and uh, like I said, he's uh, he was a thrill to ride. Yeah, I was going to ask you who your favorite horse was of all time that you read, but I already knew the answer, so that seemed like it was a pointless endeavor. I was I just assumed it was Lawyer Ron. Yeah, he we've uh, we've had some big wins together, and uh, like I said, he uh, Bob Holthus did a well training job with him and. Like I said, he's the kind of the big horse that kind of put me out there. And uh, the Arkansas, you won the Arkansas Derby. I mean, that was a grade two back. Is it still a grade two? It was a grade one. I can't remember. But it was a grade it two was back a, then, right? Grade two back then, yeah. And I guess when he went to the Pletcher Barn, I guess that was a bit of a, a bad day, right? I guess that kind of bummed you. Well, you know what? I was happy to see that horse go on and do well, even after um, the owners kind of took took the horse, put him with Todd Pletcher. I was still cheering for him. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, the horse uh, went to. Uh, I believe he won the Whitney and the Woodward, if I'm not mistaken. Under the, he won the Oakland Handicap, too. That's that's true. That's true. Wow. So you did follow his career. <laughs> I followed him. Like I said, I was I was happy the horse did well, and I was happy that, you know, Pletcher took good care of him. And like I said, uh, I went and saw him after he retired, and uh, he was uh, he, he holds a special place in my heart. Got any pictures in your house of him? All everywhere. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> I just found out, folks, that John lives near me, and John, uh, John actually lives behind the gym that I go to. So uh, uh, we're gonna hook up for a beer later on down the road. Does that sound good to you, yes, John? Yes, definitely, definitely. ACC, you want to take the reins for a second? See anything you want to ask uh, Mr. John McKee? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, John, uh, want to take you back in time. We want to talk about Lawyer Ron a little bit more. I, I believe you've ridden in two Kentucky Derbies. Is that correct? I'm correct. I wrote in three. Three? What? Pro Prado, Lawyer Ron, and who was the third one? Greater Good was my the second one. Okay, I got you. Okay, uh, so you were fairly young at that point. Uh, I know Lawyer Ron was like ten to one in Barbaro's Derby. Uh, harkening back to those days, were were you too young to be nervous in those in those spots, or, or how how did you handle uh, riding in such a big race at a, at a young age? I was full of confidence back there, to be honest with you. I had a lot of confidence in the horse. I had a lot of confidence in the people handling him. Um, 
I was just grateful for the opportunity. Is that how you ride today? Are you are you still confident uh, in your abilities, or what 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 has changed over the last uh, twenty years uh, in your riding styles and, and your your the way you look at uh, riding races? I just I don't think the, I just think it's just more wisdom and just more just confident and uh, just go out there with no pressure and try to put the horse in a position where he can do his best. So uh, we were talking before we started recording that uh, I, I remember back uh, when you first started riding one of your uh key advantages was you were able to make uh, low weight I, I know that i think somebody from california flew you flew you out to ride in one of those stakes races at del mar yeah I terry recall. knight flew me into del mar um we as there was the horse that beat us oh okay all right yeah i remember the race i just couldn't remember who okay i remember yeah i remember you were part of the race too but uh uh is that an issue uh, do you have problems making weight at this point, or how do you handle that at, 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 at your age now? My weight is, to me, is my biggest attribute to my career is because I can go out there. I can eat anything I want. I go out there with a lot of energy. Um, you know, I, I'm more focused now than I ha- ever have been. So, well, just uh, your- go ahead. Uh, just, so now, in other words, we can go have beer and pizza, right, John? Beer and pizza? I can, I can eat, drink, and do whatever I want. <laughs> okay, so no light beer for John. That's cool. All right. <laughs> so Go ahead, just, out, just out of curiosity, I, I'm just being nosy now. Like, what what do you do? Like, do you exercise every day? Like, even on race days, or, or what 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 do you do? To- I, I don't exercise every day. Um, there might be a day or two I have to go out there and work horses for some people. Like today, I was out this morning working horses for Tommy Jury. Um, so not every day, but there might be two or three days a week where I might get everybody together and um, we line everything up that way. We, you know, instead of going out there every morning, we could just line everything up two, three days a week and get everything squared up. So I'm sure Alan's got a bunch of questions for you about Turfway lined up, but I do want to ask you, I, I, my memory is not what it used to be. Did, did you write, you wrote a Turfway last winter, didn't you? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I thought you did. Uh, wh- what was that like riding there without, uh, without a grandstand? <laughs> I, you know, the, the, you know, it just, the energy, uh, wasn't the same as when people were there. Do you get fired up? I mean, does the public fire you up to, to ride a little bit, you know, to, to, to motivate you? Well, there's just, when, when fans are there, there's just more energy, more, um, I got you. Yeah. More motivation. Just, you know, right. Right. I understand. Hey, Alan, why don't you take when over? When you last year, it felt like you know you were. It was like working horses in the morning. Um, right. But it, it's a totally different ball game when people are there and people are screaming and cheering for their horse. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like when people are there, it benefits the whole sport a whole lot better. Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback before I get back to my line of questioning. I'm gonna piggyback off that for a moment. Um, when you're coming down the stretch. Because you just got done riding it right on Saturdays where it's 40,000 people. And then Churchill, Churchill's not as crowded in the grandstand for folks that don't know, but in, nothing's quite as crowded as Keeneland except maybe Saratoga. So when you're coming down a stretch, you're cognizant of the fact there's no one there, right? I mean, it's, 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 is, it a, is it a silence outside the horse's hooves or, or, or what is that like? I mean, is it disconcerting? Um, restate your question again. Oh, I was, just, I was just kind of piggybacking on what CC said because you just wrote at Keeneland. You just wrote at Churchill. There's people everywhere, right? 
And yes. as you're coming down the stretch, does it throw you or the, the other jockeys off with not when you hit that turn for home, you're just you're you're conditioned to hear the crowd roar. Does no, it, are you that, just so focused really, on your job? Yeah, you're, you're focused. I mean, you can hear the horses around you. The only difference I could say there is like when the Kentucky Oaks or Kentucky Derby, when there's a hundred something thousand people there, you can really feel that vibe, that um, the noise at the quarter pole. Yeah. But when just on another, you know, a normal day, um, you can't, it's just uh, another day at the office. You're focused, you're out there and you hear the people around you, but not necessarily the fans. Yeah. And I guess also when you do win a race and you're coming back to the winner's circle, there's nobody clapping or cheering at Turfway, right? It's just, uh, yeah, I can't just kind of moving on to the next thing. Just, you know, I'll, I'll cash my check and go. Right. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, it'll change after the summer when they get it completed and they're, they're going to do a great job. And, um, they'll bring back that energy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I haven't been I haven't been able to go myself for a, a year, so I plan on getting there somehow this year. But I'm really looking forward to the opening of Turfway because I'm I'm a big fan. And with Turfway in mind, uh, there was a new surface last uh, put in last year. We talked to Chris Landeros a couple times about it last last winter. What did you think of the new surface? Did it take you a while to get adjusted? Did Did you learn more as, as it wore on, or were you good to go from the get go? Uh, well, with the previous uh, poly track and this poly track, it's totally different. Um, I yeah. think this poly track they got laid down is is a lot more fair. You can win off the pace. You can win on the lead. Where the old poly track, like I said, you know, it was uh, you know speed never really held uh, unless it rained or if it was really really cold. Where this poly track, it's got a little bit more bounce to it, um, like got a little more feel to it, and uh, you can close, you can win on the lead, and I really like it. Yeah, as a handicapper, as a horse player, as a fan of the game, I like it because I believe it's fair. I believe it's fair, and that's that's all you ask for when you're when you're when you're betting horses. And uh, so I'm a big fan of it. And I was hoping that you guys liked it too. But yeah, I, but I guess is, the kickback is the hardly none at all. That's what I really like about it. Oh, really? That's good to know. I know I remember seeing the old gray stuff flap on the on the old poly track. It it had to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, it was. It's like it, it, you know, if you were back in the back, your horse wouldn't run through it because uh, it kept getting pelted by the poly track. And um, you know, like last year, like I said, you could run through it. Horses ran through it. You can save ground, and it's been a joy. You know, like I said, not having that kickback in your face the whole time. I can imagine. Uh, probably something that's not enjoyable, and I'm always amazed by this. I've, I, again, I asked like Mr. Landerl a couple times, so I want to get your opinion too. I hate cold weather. I am, I'm not gonna lie. I'm getting old. I don't care for cold weather. But you guys, you guys got to go out there in the dead of winter, at night, December, January at Turfway Park. Do Do you ever get used to that, or do you not mind it, or is, again, is it just a job and you got to go do your job? Well, I would be lying if it, you know, if I said that, but man, it's, when it gets cold, it's, it's, you just got to grit it out and, and give, um, give your trainer and owner everything you got. Uh, do, do, can you get away with wearing more clothes? Cause you, cause you make weight so easy or do, uh, is everybody just wear basically the same thing when they go out there on the racetrack? Well, like I said, when you put, well, it's a, you know. I catch 22 there. You put more clothes on, you can't move around as much. But if you right. don't put enough clothes on, you're going to freeze. Yeah. But Turfway's been good at, like, keeping the post braids down and um, not keeping us out there so long. So they've, they've done a good job of that. 
have you uh you know Turfway has been prone over the years to some crazy things. Is there anything in, in your time racing there that you've ever seen any any bizarre stories, any crazy things, deer, uh, geese on the track, anything that comes to mind, or has it been pretty much uh, no big deal? Well, occasionally you'll get some geese out on the track. Um, I've ridden there several years ago when there was a deer that popped out. Uh. Um. So yeah, there's been a, a few things that's kind of popped up that you kind of not expecting. Y'all didn't hit the deer, did you? He, he got out of the way, didn't he? I, I don't think nobody hit the deer. Yeah, but I do uh, remember we, there was a deer that popped on the racetrack. I do remember several years ago, it kind of akin to what happened at Ellis Park this year where the horse got loose in the post parade, went down the highway. I believe that happened at, Ella, at Turfway about 10, 15 years ago. horse got loose in the post parade and started running down I-75. Do you remember that? I do remember that. There was something happened this year. Yeah, that was at Ellis. What happened at Ellis this year, but it happened at Turfway about 10 or 15 years ago, too. Right. Uh, I wouldn't want to be at 75 up near Cincinnati. But uh, and you, nobody uh, we, can predict Mother Nature. That's right. Uh, you said you have a place in Cincinnati because you ride at Belterra and you ride at Turfway and you, you live in Louisville. Uh, so this is a non-racing question. I like to get to know some of the guys that we talk to. Do you have sports teams allegiances? Because uh, you live in Louisville, you got a place in Cincinnati. You a Bengals fan, a Louisville Cardinal fan, Reds fan? Do you is anything special to your heart in that way? Well, see, I, I grew up in Cincinnati, so uh, the Bearcats and Ohio State, and we have my wife and I. We have uh, season tickets to the Bengals, but I really like um, you know when Kentucky and Louisville. I like basketball, so you know whenever right. they're playing, I'm, I'm cheering for both of them. Well, that's a very diplomatic answer because, uh, you know, I'm a Kentucky fan. CC is is a Kentucky and a Louisville fan, but I think he likes Louisville a lot. So it's a pretty diplomatic answer. You must have done your homework before you came on the show. Uh, and the Bearcats, this is a good year to be a Bearcats fan, isn't it? It's a great year. Like I said, I hope they get the uh, the college football playoff game right. Um, if they, they don't lose, week? they should make the, the playoffs. Yeah. They'll be in the playoffs. Who are they playing this week, CC Houston, is that right? For the yeah. Houston. Yeah, Houston. If they win, they're in. Did you ever think you'd see Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bearcats in the uh, in the college football playoff? That's pretty impressive. That's Hopefully very they impressive. Can. They deserve it, too. Yeah, they didn't. You say you like Ohio State, too? I didn't think Cincinnati people liked Ohio State and vice versa. Well, you just, you just always rooted for Ohio State because UC was never that good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. See, so you gave a diplomatic answer for Ohio, and you gave a diplomatic answer – uh, for Ken- the state of Kentucky. I mean, you're not going to lose any mounts tonight, John. You, you played defense pretty well. <laughs> well, like I said, my, my oldest one likes Kentucky. And so whenever he gets a chance, he, you know, he likes to go to Kentucky basketball. And um, Louisville is just so convenient whenever they're playing basketball. It's only a 15, 20-minute ride down there to watch them. So. That's very true. How many, how many sons do you have or daughters? I have two. I have two two sons. sons. All right. How old are you, by the way? I'm 40 years old. Oh, when did you hit the big 4-0? August. August. All right. Feel any different? Uh, I, I feel the same way. I did 20 that's, years ago. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Well, we don't want to keep you too much longer. Do you have anything else for CC, uh, for John CC? Yeah, two more questions, John. Two, All right, two go really, right. Yeah, just just real quick. Uh, back when you broke into the to the game, uh, everybody referred to you as, uh, as the fly. Did you like that nickname, or, or do you still go by that, or, or? – do you have a new nickname now? I don't know. I have a nick, nick, any nicknames. No no nicknames now? No. Okay. Hey, uh, so you said, you know, 
I like to eat a lot, and I'm always looking for rec- uh, restaurant recommendations. Uh, you, you got any recommendations in the Louisville area, that, somewhere that you'd like to go to hang out? Uh, I, I love pasta. Yeah? A jockey uh, that loves pasta, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, pasta's good for uh, yeah, carbohydrates, right? It gives right. you energy, right? Yes, yep. Okay, that's cool. All right. So where do you like to go? Uh, wherever my wife likes to eat at. I'm like, a, I'm, a, I'm more of a homebody. I like to eat at home more than I do go out and eat. So you're a cook. I'm not a cook. <laughs> but I love or, my favorite food is pasta. Gotcha. I gotcha. It's all. I don't know. I've been eating great pasta places around here and stuff. I don't, I don't usually go out for pasta, but uh, I do go out for pizza, John, and that's what we're going to do soon. All right, pal? Well, I can eat it. Bring Rocco with you. Yeah, Rocco lives right up, right, right, right around the corner from me. So you guys will probably be carpooling up to Turfway, right? Yeah, we we probably would, probably could. Yeah, gas is pretty expensive. That's a good idea. All right, John. Well, we, this has been fantastic. We uh, truly, truly appreciate uh, you stopping in and talking to us. Uh, tell Tommy Jury highs for us. We're gonna have him back on the show soon. And to say the least, uh, the best of luck at the Turfway meet. And Cece doesn't remember this, but I do. You wrote a 70 to 1 winner last week at Turfway, last meet at Turfway, didn't you? Do you remember that? I, I probably did. From the rails, like 70 to 1. I didn't bet it, but I was kicking myself that I didn't bet it. So why don't you bring another one of those home for me this meet, okay? Absolutely. We'll do my best. All right. Thanks, John. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great evening. Thanks, John. All right. Thank you. All right. Once again, just another outstanding guest. That was John McKee, a veteran rider on this circuit. We've known him a long time. He's a great rider. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's a, is he, wasn't he a lot of fun to talk to? I mean, it's, uh, he, I think he's got an analyst future in his role down the road. He's a very engaging, very personable, and we all know he's a hell of a rider, but yeah, he's a lot of fun to talk to. Wouldn't that be a, that, that's gotta be a great jock room when you're talking about him and uh, Landeros and Perry Oots and, and a lot of those guys that's been around forever. I'd, I'd like to be a fly on the wall just to hear those some of those stories that that are that are told. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree with you more, man. Uh, one thing we we uh, we should ask him about, and I forgot all about it. And uh, John McKee rode Wise Dan to his first win back. That, uh, was it ten years ago, probably something like that. Uh, yes, it was at Turfway Park. Uh, how did that How did that escape me? How did that escape me? Yeah, it was. Before John Velasquez, before Julian Lepreau, it was John McKee that rode uh, Wise Dan to his maiden win at Turfway. And if you've ever seen the race, it's I know it's Turfway Park, but that horse literally destroyed that field. I, was, uh, I believe it was on a Jim Beam, galleryfurniture.com, spiral stakes day. It, was, it might have been the last race of the day. It went by like 15 lengths. Yeah. And that was, that was John McKee that got him started on his uh, road to uh, superstardom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he was a he was a great guest tonight, and uh, we appreciate him uh, joining up with us. So uh, we'll wrap this up right now. Uh, before we part ways, anything else you want to add? Uh, just real quick. Uh, again, the Churchill meets over, but uh, Cece and I and, and Brandon, who's not here tonight, we we mean it's the guys at Churchill are just great. Uh, uh, Joe Christofek, uh, uh, Scott Shapiro, we uh, Gary Palmasano. We should mention. I, I just read the Jerry, Gary Palmasano out there just lost his father. Uh, we're very, very sorry to hear that, Gary. If you happen to be listening, we we're thinking of you. Uh, but yeah, Joe Scott, Caitlin Free is going to be a star out there. She's she's on her way. We're glad to see that she got uh, she got that gig at Churchill. But uh, just want to thank those guys for what uh, what they do. 
Uh, I think they're one of the best. They're some of the best in the biz, and I know CC agrees with that. Well said, indeed. All right, so that ends Auxiliary Gate Podcast number eighty-two. On behalf of Alan Schneider and the departed Brandon Jaggers, who will hopefully be back next week, I'm CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.